Talk Radio 96.7. Look at that road sign up ahead. You are entering the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone as usual. And at no extra charge, we've got my grandson, Jimmy Ocean. Say hello to the audience, Jimmy Ocean. (laughs) Hello. All right. And also... Again, at no extra charge. Alex is with us tonight. Actually, I do charge a fee. You just haven't Venmoed me yet. (laughs) Speaking of money, I understand that they're going to build an on-campus football stadium over at USF where you are a student. And I understand we have some inside information that this is going to be financed by the Eric Clark Foundation. <laughs> and um, Thank you. Oh, man. It's, I tell you. it's not true. It's couple, oh, it's true. A couple of folding chairs and, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and one of those canopies. It's going to look fantastic. Now, Alex, what can you tell us about it? I mean, some of the things, the naming rights and so forth. I mean, for naming rights, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe Clark Stadium. But otherwise, uh, 35,000 like people. Yeah. Two, $22 million. It's going to be expensive. Can you afford that, Eric? Oh, no. Are you going to get a clerking lot out of this deal? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That's where all the fans can put their cars in the clerking lot. That's an Alex original. No extra charge for that. Whoa. Yeah. That Alex, one is free. Alex yes. got a load of where we have to put the car when we get here. <laughs> I mean, listen, Disney Disney costs already too much. If I can park in a clerking lot for free, I'll take it, even if the stadium's pretty expensive. Oh, there you go. There you go. You can't beat that. <laughs> Oh, man. I may never live again. (laughs) Uh, Well, the Miami Heat concluded their season on a disappointing note, but I'll tell you what, it was really amazing that an eight seed could go all the way to the finals. And uh, Jimmy Ocean, I think you are looking for a trade. Who are you wanting the Heat to add? Damian Lillard. Why? Because he's the best shooter in the NBA. All right. Coach Joe, what do you think? Damian Lillard currently languishing in Portland right now. (laughs) (laughs) Easy uh, to do there. Yeah. Now, he's still under contract, and he does not have a no-trade clause. And there's no way Portland were going to just get rid of him for nothing. The the key thing here is is he needed to ask for a trade. And uh, as free agency started, he hadn't done that. And then he did finally, and it is a, it is a not a well kept secret that he he's basically said trade me to Miami, that's where I want to go. He's good friends with Bam Adebayo, uh, and uh, <laughs> Bam, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and that's the missing piece for the Heat right now. That is the thing that could get him over the top. Now Tyler Hero missed the finals, and uh, perhaps things might have been a little bit different if they had had his shooting. Uh, but the Heat are thinking they get Damian Lillard. They know they're probably going to lose Hero in the trade. They've already lost shooting with Max Struess, who's gone to Cleveland. They uh, lost Gabe Vincent to free agency to the Lakers. And they just today announced the trade of Victor Oladipo to Oklahoma City. So, but so the Heat are retooling. Remember, they were, uh, Jimmy, they were loaded with a lot, of, uh, a lot of undrafted players, a lot of pieces and role players. But they were missing that big piece to go with Bam and Jimmy Butler. And I think Dame is that piece. All right. Well, right now, the Rays, after getting clubbed last night by the Phillies, 
are tied 1-1, bottom of the seventh, Rays coming to bat. So, uh, Jimmy Ocean, you got to go to the Rays-Phillies game last night. What was your impression? Oh, cool. You got to go? Yes, I did. Well, what was your impression? The Rays kind of took it on the chin, huh? Well, um, the first inning I really liked. That was my that was my favorite <laughs> part of the game. Hey, <laughs> hey you know, Jimmy, uh, Randy Rosarain is going to be in the home run contest next week in uh, conjunction with the All-Star game. That's Only gonna... the third Ray ever. Right. Nice. And uh, I just love watching him play. I think he might be my favorite Ray. What about you? Wander Franco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's wow. a solid choice. Yeah. 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 How is he not on the All-Star team? There needs to be an investigation. Wonder Franco. <laughs> not enough Rays fans. You know, last <laughs> no. night, the, the all Phillies those fans. Rangers, all those darn Texas Rangers. Though. I think the <laughs> Phillies fans outnumbered the Rays fans last night. It was pretty close. Oh, the Philly fanatics? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were they were there in force. Well, Makes sense. The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that that's the Phillies, though. Uh, it used to be all the visiting teams always outnumbered the Rays fans, and that's still an issue. Still five years to go, I think, on the lease to the drop. And uh, they got to move it over a little bit closer to us, Ronnie. Yeah. You know, I I don't think the stadium's that bad myself. I like the stadium itself. It's got to be a domed stadium in Florida. If you're going to play summer evenings, it's got to be that. Well, let's talk a little more about that when we come back. Let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Ronnie O, Coach Joe, Alex, and Jimmy Ocean in the Ozone on WLKF 96.7. Hi, this is Matt Moore, former Florida Gator running back and former Miami Dolphin wide receiver, and you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. That's where you'll find them both tonight, in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, also featuring tonight Jimmy Ocean and Alex. So... Um, be sure and send in your money because we are going after checking with their agents. We do have to charge extra to have these luminaries with us tonight, Coach Joe. You know, I was trying to think about when I heard Nat Moore. Some of the people that we've had on the show. I mean, golly, I mean, we've we've had Bob Feller. I mean, that was before we were able to afford you and bring you in, <laughs> but. Um, you know, Bob I was too Feller. young, I think, back then. Yeah, yeah, you probably were. You were about three years old back then. <laughs> back in the day. Uh, not more. You know, in that Sea of Hands game, that famous playoff game, was a rookie for the Dolphins that year, still returning kicks. He returned the opening kickoff in that game for a touchdown. I just saw that the other day on, on Oh, NFL man, I'll tell you what, that, that guy. 89 yards. I had the pleasure, when he was doing the Gator broadcast, one year when we were flying up to Lexington, he was sitting right beside me, and we talked the whole way. I mean, he's just a very nice guy. And uh, he's, is he still working in the Dolphins' front office? Uh, I think he's doing something with them. He is, uh, he's always been very active down in South Florida. Uh, I remember back in the days when uh, they used to have the tournament at Doral. He was a big part of the committee and stuff then, too. And then he was doing the broadcasting, uh, and, he, and he was very active. He's, he's really he's, – he's beloved down there. You know, he played for years. He – he caught passes from Bob Greasy and from Dan Marino and uh, touchdown passes, played in, played in uh, two Super Bowls with the Dolphins and, and was uh, uh, scored at least one touchdown in that famous game against the Bears in 85. He was just such a great receiver for years. And, of course, the most famous play was, was a play. The helicopter he, play. The helicopter the Jets, play. Huh? You knew exactly what I was saying. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he caught a pass over the middle, immediately got hit, and did a full 360 while horizontally hovering over the ground. It was it was Matrix-type stuff. And he said yeah. it didn't hurt. He said, you know, if you look at it, you think, golly, that had to hurt, but it didn't. I, I, you know, I felt pain for several weeks oh, afterwards yeah. <laughs> just yeah. watching it, you know. <laughs> but, but he said that that didn't hurt. And if, if you look at it, you can see why you would think that, that it, you know, it, it looked a lot worse than it was. So. <laughs> well, the Rays failed to score, I think, in their half of the inning. So, wow, that must be some pitching performance. Who's My on the mound goodness. for the Rays, Ronnie? Um, Adam. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. Well, he's only pitched. He's only pitched a third of an inning so far. I don't know who started it. I don't have the um, Jason Adam is is pitching, but uh, wow. Well, the Rays Four. lost uh, Tuesday as well, so they've lost two in a row to the Phillies. Uh, Phillies, of course, are, are a good team, but they're I believe in third right now in the uh, National League East, behind the impossibly hot Atlanta Braves. I think they just went on the Braves, didn't they just go on a twenty eight and five run or something? Something yeah. impossible like that. Oh yeah. And uh kind of well, like the Rays started. Yeah. And then uh so I, I I don't know if the Braves have overtaken the Rays for the best record in they baseball. Have. They have, yeah. yeah. I know it was very close. And the Marlins got to fifty wins uh the other night. Uh yeah, they've they've won but <laughs> have they lost over the weekend three in a row to the Braves? So they they just can't they can beat anybody except them. <laughs> so, but they uh, they're they're playing tonight as well, scoreless in the seventh, I think. So um, there's a lot of good baseball being played in Florida. You know, Ronnie, we've been doing this a while, and you and I have been around for a while. I can't remember a time when virtually every pro team in the state was this good. You know, the the Magic are the one exception that sticks out because everybody else is really good. In every sport, and that includes Jacksonville, which was a playoff team last year, and they're, they're going to be good this year. We know the, the Bucks, uh have been good. We'll see how they do this year. Hopefully Kyle Trask will get a good chance. And, and the Rays are one of the best teams in baseball, the Lightning, the Panthers. We know what they did. We talked about the Heat earlier. Uh, the converse has been true more often <laughs> yeah, than what we have yeah, right now. Exactly. But right now, I mean, there have been periods where you had a couple of good teams, but every team being, being this good – Something to enjoy, and uh, and we love talking about it. Six eight two fourteen thirty. Why don't you join us? Let's let's bask in the glow of this for a little while because you know we've been dealing with so so many teams in so many ways. Now it's kind of this is the time of year where it's basically just baseball for the next few weeks. Uh, there's not a, a whole lot going on um, in in the team sports that we follow the professional ranks anyway. Um, so it's a, this is a good time to catch up with the race, see how they're doing and see if they can continue the pace they're on. We talked about this with Andy McGaffigan last week. You know, they're on a pace where they can just play 500 ball. Yeah, the still the win 95 games. Still win 95 games. Yeah. And, and they're going to do better than that. They're five up on the Orioles right now in the standings and eight up on the Yankees. The Orioles are up 8 nothing on the Yankees, but it's early in that game. It's only like the fourth inning, I think. Well, yeah, what about the Yankees? I know – uh, Aaron Judge has been hurt. He's still got selected as a starter for the All Star team, even yeah. though he hasn't played in a month, and he's not going to play this week, next week either. Did Lou Gehrig get voted in again? <laughs> I think he. <laughs> yeah, he probably he probably would if he was uh, if he was still around. Uh, <laughs> a few people probably wrote him anyway. Yeah, but, exactly. But the Yankees are. Um, it's not that they're horrible, but they are definitely. Um, uh, you know, they're eight games back. I, they're still in a wild card spot, I think, though. 
Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in this date in 1933, the first All-Star game was played. And it was actually baseball, you know, had not really recovered from – they were having trouble because of the Depression. They were having trouble. Still, the Black Sox scandal kind of hung over – it was a pall over the Major League Baseball scene. So a Chicago sports writer decided that maybe if they had something like an all-star game, you know, between the two leagues, maybe it would help boost the uh, attitude of people toward the game of baseball. So that's how the first game came about in 1933 in Comiskey Park in Chicago. And talk about some names. Jimmy Fox, Lou Gehrig, guy named Babe Ruth. (laughs) <laughs> who hit the first all-star home run, which was the difference in the game for the American League. They beat the National League 4-2 to two at Comiskey Park. And uh, Carl Hubble, Paul Wainer, Big Poison was on the National League teams. Bill Terry, who was the last National Leaguer to hit 400, and he had a car dealership in Jacksonville for a long time. And he was actually related to one of my best friends, uh, Chuck Klein, Frankie Frisch, the Fordham Flash was also on those teams. I mean, that, that's some names right there, isn't it? You know, when I was growing up, uh, I revered the All-Star game, looked forward to it all the time. Now, this is before there was interleague play. This was a chance to see the two the two leagues facing off against each other, and there were always some terrific matchups. And it mattered back then. You, you know, yeah. I'm talking about the 70s and the 80s. At some point, it stopped mattering about winning the game. They tried to gin it up a little bit by making the – uh, World Series home team be from the league that won the All Star Game, but that that didn't really didn't really work, and it it it's a little bit less luster now. I, I'm not sure why. I think part of it is there's so many players now they're just worried about not getting hurt. Yeah, and, uh, and that's unfortunate because baseball is the one sport that really lends itself to being able to have a competitive All Star Game. I mean, the NBA should, but Harrison, do you uh, like the? Uh, NBA All-Star Game, do you like to watch that? What do you like about it? I like the halftime show the most. Oh, do you? I like those the most. <laughs> what about the slam dunk contest? Do you like that? Uh, That might also be my favorite part, too. Oh, yeah? <laughs> to see all the creative dunks that they have. Oh, uh, yeah? Alex, what about you? You an All-Star fan? I mean, I'm not, I don't really watch a lot of basketball in general, but I got to agree with you, Harrison. I think the dunk contest is always a good idea. Especially, <laughs> no, when they jump over cars. That's my favorite part. Who's that Blake Griffin who jumped over the car, I think, right? <laughs> was, that, was that him? I'm, I want to say it was. I can't, I can't remember the guy last year who made such a big. It was impression. me. I jumped over a car. It was it a was matchbox a, car. It was Ronnie. Oh, see, that makes won, sense. Won it last year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of, one of Jimmy Ocean's. Matchbox cars. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time I could jump. Nowadays, you know, if the threshold is too high, I might have a trouble. <laughs> I'd have trouble getting in the door. So. Uh, I'll take that. I can still touch the goal. The uh, goalpost is a win. There yeah. you go. <laughs> That's right. And there's soccer goal. Because because yeah. how tall are those? Uh, soccer goals. Ten by eight. I think eight feet tall. Eight feet tall. Yeah. I, I mean, might be wrong about that though, but it feels that sounds right. You can get up there and grab it. No, I can't do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> On this date in 1956, MLB Commissioner Ford Frick inaugurated the first Cy Young Award. Do you, do you remember who won the first one? What year? 19, it would have been 57, I think. No, 56, I guess, is when they actually awarded it. I'm going to say Whitey Ford. No, not a, not a bad guess, though. Don Newcomb. 
he was a Dodgers pitcher. Dodgers he come up from the Negro won. Leagues. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. No, Newcomb was a terrific pitcher. Yeah, all he was. Oh, he was twenty-seven good. and seven that year. Eighteen complete games. You don't see that anymore. <laughs> Three point oh six ERA that year, and uh, he was pitching to none other than Roy Campanella. Mm. Yeah. One, of the, one of the great stars that the Dodgers had back in those days. Well, it was last year, Ronnie, that uh, the National League of Marlins pitcher, Sandy Alcantara, won. And then the American League, uh, it Shane McClanahan? Oh, no, it was uh, Justin Verlander who won it last year. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Back then, they only had one. So yeah. it was a lot harder to win it because oh, you had man. to win. You had to be the best in both leagues. Shoot, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In 1962, the Yankees M&M boys and uh, Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle hit two home runs each in a 7-5 to five win over the Twins. Mantle hit his fourth consecutive home run. I tell you, those, those guys were something to deal with back in the days in the 61-62. Mantle hit 54 home runs in 61 and might have beaten the record himself had he not gotten injured. And then Maris, of course, hit the 61 off – Tracy Stollard of the Boston Red Sox in Yankee Stadium over that little pennant porch in right field where you know, they always talked about. 96, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, with like a three-foot fence, and they always used to talk about, well, the Red Sox, you know, they've got that easy home run. Well, it was further there than it was in yeah, right field. Is. I think it was like 315 down the line in Fenway Park with a 37-foot wall on top of it, whereas in Yankee Stadium – Nobody ever criticized them with all those left-handed hitters that they had, you know, and it seemed like the, the Kansas City Royals or the Kansas City A's were their farm team back in those days. <laughs> Maris came from Kansas City. Oh, the A's, the well-traveled A's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia, Kansas yeah. City, oh, Oakland, gosh. and soon Las Vegas. It's kind of like the Rams. Cleveland, yeah. St. Louis, L.A., how many times? Yeah. Anaheim for a while, and then it's back to St. Louis and yeah. L.A. again. <laughs> uh, Mayflower Moving Company must love this. <laughs> Mayflower, that's the one the Colts used when they snuck out that's of town, right. right? That's right. 1984, yeah. one of the darkest days of my life. They broke your heart, didn't they? They did. I haven't been a pro football fan since, really. Uh, certainly not of the Colts. Now, Jimmy Ocean is a fan of the predecessor, which would be the Baltimore Ravens, right? Sir. All right. Well, who's your favorite player on the Ravens? Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And He's you've got good. a very bold <laughs> prediction for the Ravens. What's your prediction for their record this year? 14-2-1. Whoa. 14-2-1. Yeah, oh, my goodness. One of those, write that down. Write that one down. One of those two will be the Dolphins when they when they play the <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jimmy's over there shaking his head. Well, we'll have to see. You know, we'll just, actually, just play them later in the season, so we don't know. But well, uh, I was checking. I'm looking at the Bucks schedule even as we speak, and luckily for the Ravens, the Bucks are not on their schedule, except in the preseason, which doesn't really matter. But uh, by the way, that's August 26th. That's a Friday. It'll be in Tampa, six o'clock. Bucks Network, which is here. Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. There you go. We'll be doing these all, all season long. I had to throw one in early. It's a little early yet, but... <laughs> oh, that's all right. I'm already thinking about that's football, right. though, Ronnie. I'm already thinking about it now. It's it's. Oh, me too. We get this far along. Training camps are open in yeah. a couple of weeks, and then, then we're going to have SEC media days, and the college guys will get going, and here we go. Exactly. Exactly. On this date in 1983, the 50th Major League Baseball All-Star Game, again in Comiskey Park. Angels outfielder Fred Lynn hit the first 
Grand Slam home run in All-Star history. I remember that. I loved Freddie Lynn when he was with the Red Sox. Oh, my gosh. Fearless Freddie Lynn. I want to say that he hit it off of an Angels pitcher. Now I can't remember No, it couldn't have been the Angels. He was in the American League. Right. Was it Atlee Hamaker from the Giants? Yes, it was the Giants. It was Atlee Hamaker. Atlee Hamaker. Nice work. How about that? Ronnie's not looking that up. He came right off the top of his head. (laughs) (laughs) Top of his pointy little head. Yeah. I don't know why I remember Atlee Hamaker. It's a neat name. He was a left-hander, too. Oh, we should have asked Andy about that when he was here last week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he might have been teammates with him. Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was would have been right around the time because he spent a lot of time with the Giants. Uh, there were some great stories he had, huh? Oh, no doubt. I, I love when we have Andy in here. Did you enjoy meeting Andy McGaffigan, the former Major League pitcher, Jimmy Ocean? Yes, I did. Yeah, what would you think about him? Pretty big guy, isn't he? Very big guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a gentle giant. He's a real great human being. We love He's one of our favorite guests to have on the show here. We bring him into studio, and he just tells wonderful story after wonderful story. And, you know, Coach Joe and I know some stories, but we weren't there for most of them. <laughs> he was there. So we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we come back. We're going to have Tim Heft with us. He's an architect here in Lakeland. We're going to talk a little bit about the proposed renovations of the swamp in Gainesville. You're listening to Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O, Coach Joe, in the Ozone. The Ozone tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. What do you think, Ronnie? Let's do another half hour. All right, Ronnie O, Coach Joe, Alex, and Jimmy Ocean. And on the line with us is the principal of Strawn Trout Architects right here in Lakeland, Florida, Mr. Tim Heft, a graduate of the University of Florida. Tim, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Ronnie and Coach, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, we really appreciate you coming on. Well, they're talking about a $400 million renovation of the football stadium in Gainesville known as the Swamp. Now, from an architectural point of view, have you thought about any things that you'd like to see them add as amenities? Yeah, that's a great question. It's hard as an architect to travel and go anywhere without walking around and dreaming about what it, something else could be. You know, what would you do next and how could you make it better? And um, uh, I'd like to say that I'd have I've put a lot of thought into it at the stadium, but when I'm there, I'm usually looking at the field. <laughs> places I'm not daydreaming about the stadium, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's a it's, it's an intriguing idea to think about what could they do in you know four hundred million dollars a big project, right? Um, it doesn't go quite as far as it used to. We say that all the time, but um, <laughs> it's we, we I've had the pleasure of doing some work on campus there, and so there's there's an additional expense to, to getting things done on campus when you've got. Uh, students in you know, active student life and, and classes that are held in the stadium and business that goes on in the stadium and all that thing. So there's a lot of things for them to navigate when they uh, put that together. But it is exciting. And, and you know, I, if I had to think of one thing that I think would make it interesting would be to have a little bit more of continuity around the concourse, whether it be at, at any level. Um, you know, right now some of the premium seats are divided between the touchdown terrace north end zone and the west side champions club levels um 
I think there's some interesting little wedges of space on either side of the north end zone that really, to me, scream out for opportunity to create something um, interesting and unique, a unique experience to add to the to the vitality of the experience of, the, of going to a game or an event in the swamp. Um, but I think, you know, stadium design, it continues to evolve and go a long way to be where stadiums are trying to be more than the game or do things and the game. And so um, I think I, when, I, I, when I first started hearing about this and thinking about it, I shoot, I, maybe it's just a sign of my age, but I'm thinking about I want to make sure they don't lose some of the amazing things that the stadium does have and the character that it has and the, the things that we think about when we think about our memories of going to games there or graduation pictures that, that people take on the field. And so, um, you know, I think that, that if they can – try to preserve the character that's there and just add to it. I think that's what's really going to be the touchdown, you know, play. But I don't know. What about you? What have you thought about, Ryan? Well, the obvious thing to me is adding chairbacks. You know, my seats in the touchdown terrace, we've got chairbacks. But I think that while you would reduce the number of seats, it would be more comfortable for the people sitting in those seats uh, if they were all chairbacks. Now, from a student point of view – Maybe they would like an open area, maybe with a beer garden or something. Of course, you've got the problem of underage drinking that you would have to, you know, would would have to be taken care of. But um, I think if they had areas where they could just mill around and not necessarily have to sit down, I think students would like that kind of thing. We've got Alex here, who is a USF student. Alex, what do you think? Now, you, your team plays in Tampa Stadium. Do you take advantage of those areas when you go to bull games where you can just mill around with your friends, or do you sit in a seat? Well, we have a pretty big student section, but pretty much we have the run of the whole stadium, so nobody's really sitting still. And I mean, also they're USF games, so no one really is sitting to watch. <laughs> but no, when I when I go, I do a lot of walking and just a lot of because I like where the student section is near the ship. So it's always really cool just to be in that area, but not have to pay like NFL prices to get to be in the stadium. <laughs> there you go. So, but <laughs> underage drinking thing, people will find a way around that, and especially in the swamp. Maybe they'll put a yeah. giant ship in the swamp. What do you think, Tim? <laughs> a big gator statue. Well, no, I think the the that idea of of that around space um, absolutely makes makes a lot of sense, and because I think they can get double duty out of that, even when it's not game time, right? Because I think if you were going to have a business or corporate event or a, a major birthday party or, or some other event, you want to rent that space out. And I mean, I'd like to have my birthday party in the swamp if there was a space for that. Um, you know, just some different types of spaces that they can use. I think that's part of the thoughts when you're they're looking at stadium design is adding those types of creative spaces like like the ship, I mean, I don't know if the ship fits in the swamp, but maybe it does. Um, but <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> one of the things I've noticed that you see in in some of the stadiums, like the soccer stadium designs, that globally, um, I really like some of the efforts to kind of create some shade canopies that extend out around the kind of the perimeter of the bowl. I think that you can't have too much shade when you're in the swamp. I, I wouldn't go so far to say that they should ever consider doming in the stadium or anything <laughs> like that because, well, that might be not only an, uh, an expense that doesn't need to be undertaken, but I think that that gives the Gators a little bit of a competitive advantage in that environment. So I would hate to, you know, to, to make it more comfortable for our opponents. 
Smart. Well, yeah, you saw what the, they did with uh, now known as Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami. They basically covered the stands but left the opening on top. That seems to be kind of a, a trend. Or, or they could do like SoFi where it's basically a giant, I want to call it a canopy for lack of a better word, where it's open in the on the ends but the, but the, the field is covered. But that, those things would be unbelievably expensive, wouldn't they? They're pretty proud of them. It's certainly a new technology <laughs> um, like the SoFi has. And and I'm pretty sure it's the same structure and, tech, you know, kind of canopy structure and technology, the material that's used, um, that they did just recently install last year on campus over the, there's an atrium space at the architecture building um, that they covered in, you know, as architects, that was a building we spent a lot of time in there, and we were all a little nervous to see what that was going to be. And um, it actually, it's it's surprisingly pleasant. You know, it's not glass, but it's probably as close to glass as you can get, and it kind of helps break up the sun a little bit. It certainly keeps the elements off if it's raining. So that that's certainly a really intriguing idea, and knowing that they've already kind of had a small project of that on campus, um it, it's not something that probably is off the table to, to start to experiment with that idea of, of providing shade, you know, sh- levels of shade, levels of w- inclement weather protection. Um, but, yeah, I think the sky's the limit. I, I think when I start to think about the stadium experience, um, I'd like to see improvements maybe around the perimeter of the stadium for the before and after festivities, a little, maybe more so than the stadium interior itself. Because um, I think that's part of the experience, right? Is is the, the, the tailgate experience before, and and hopefully the celebration afterwards. Um, I think there's some opportunities to be captured on that front north lawn. I think the parking lot over there to the towards the O'Connell Center, um, while it does have a, a, a two-story parking garage, um, there's there there's some reorganization and restructure, you know, of that real estate that could happen. And you know, they just finished about a year or so ago. Um, uh, over in Texas A&M, the, they call it Aggie Park, and it is pretty incredible. I encourage you guys to take a, you know, get into the Google and look that one up and see some pictures if you haven't been. Um, pretty amazing the outdoor spaces and things they have around that campus. You're right. They're I've been there twice, there. and it, it's beautiful. And <clears throat> they are far and away the nicest group of visiting fans. I've been to every SEC stadium multiple times, except. Athens, I've only been there once because we've only played there once in my extended lifetime. <laughs> but uh, the Texas A&M fans are the nicest. But you're right, there's a lot of nice stuff around the stadium. But it's in an isolated area. So, you know, Texas A&M is not close to the population centers like Gainesville. It's such a crowded area. And I guess we're kind of landlocked in a lot of areas of campus. Tim, um, we really appreciate you being with us tonight. Um, give our audience an idea of what your specialty is at your architectural firm. Oh, well, appreciate that, Ron. Um, it's been, been a pleasure to be on here. You know, we're, we're a firm here in Lakeland, Florida, um, been in business for 67 years and um, really specialize in commercial institutional projects. Um, we've had uh, amazing opportunities along the way of building up our firm portfolio and, um, you know, I think what we love best is that there's no two projects alike. Um, we try to learn from the last one and put it into the next one. And we've got some exciting things on the board and some exciting things coming out of the ground. And we're just 
you know, blessed to be part of such a great community. Well, Tim, we're glad to have you here, and thank you for joining us tonight on the Ozone. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right. Tim Heft, principal of Strawn Trout Architects here in Lakeland, Florida. Well, the, the Orioles have opened up a 13-0 lead over the New York Yankees. So um, the Rays and Phillies go to the bottom of the ninth, 1-1. Nobody out for the Rays so far. So, Jimmy Ocean, what do you think? The Rays going to come back and win it here in the bottom of the ninth? What do you think? What? Um. Yes. I don't know who's batting, but how about a nice walk-off from Randy Rosarina? That'd be okay with you? Yes, I would. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, rumors abound that we are going to allow somebody to go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House and take $30 off of their tab. You're listening to Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Mike Donnelly, Headman's basketball coach at Florida Southern College. You are listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ronnie O, Coach Joe. They just go together like death in Texas, politics and corruption, Superman and the planet. <laughs> Whatever. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right. Only three things for sure in life. Death, taxes, and iPhone 15. All right, you listen to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7. I can hear those stomachs growling. I know those dialing fingers are itching. And you're right. Tonight, we are curing the world's hunger problem one person at a time. So if you haven't won the last six months and you know the answer, give us a call, 682-1430, 682-1430. And here's what can happen. You can go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. 5650 South Florida Avenue, and you can take $30 off your tab. So, Jimmy Ocean, for $1 million of Eric Clark's money. No. What is our sports what? quiz tonight? Stop it. No, he's not giving away my money. <laughs> Wally Pip lost his first. Wally Pip lost his first base job on the Yankees. On the Yankees to the Iron Horse. Who was the Yankee known as the Iron Horse. All right, 682-1430, 682-1430. That's all you got to do is tell us who was the New York Yankee known as the Iron Horse. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. Coach Joe, I know he knows. I know Alex knows. I think Jimmy Ocean knows. Yes, we do. And Eric we'd be Clark ha- knows. We'd, we'd be happy to say it, but we don't want to give the answer away. Well, we want you to earn it because it's a great prize. Yeah. and Very tasty prize. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you don't want to let Eric go with you. Do not invite Eric to go with you. Oh man. <laughs> that was my plan. <laughs> Tell you what, you need to get out to the Ale House and meet the new general manager, Dylan Gartrell. Great guy. And, uh, man, they've had a succession of great managers out there. And they always take care of you. You go out there and they'll treat you like a celebrity, everybody that comes in, and have drink and meal specials every night of the week. So that $30 goes a long way. Unless, of course, you invite Eric to go with you. Then you may not even get a French fry. So so do not invite Eric. Don't tell him when you're going. Just be sure. And when when you call in, 682-1430, He's going to ask for your social security number, you know, all of those kind of things, your oh, wallet. Don't don't give it to it, him. Stop it, Ronnie. Just stop it. Just stop it. 
Well, you know, they, they've been great to us over the years, Ronnie. And uh, the, besides the food, it's a great place to watch the game. It's a terrific setup with the 40 strategically located TVs. We, we've come to say that every week, but it's true. And they're good-sized TVs, and they're positioned in a way that you can watch five, six, seven games at a time without having to strain to see. And I've been to lots of sports bars over the years, <laughs> and there's, there's, they're set up. It's, it's even unique for alehouses. You know, I've been to other alehouse places, uh, but the one in Lakeland is special. It really is. It's special because of the food, because of the, the atmosphere, the, the ability to, to catch the game, and the people there. The people oh, no are doubt. just absolutely terrific. No doubt. Jimmy Ocean, why don't you give us that sports quiz one more time since I don't know if people – you've got – this is easy. It's easy. So what do you got, Jimmy Ocean? Go ahead and read that sports quiz one more time. Wally Pitt lost his first base job on the Yankees to the Iron Horse. Who is the Yankee known as the Iron Horse? All right. He played in that first All-Star game, folks. He played in the very first All-Star game. Everybody knows the Wally Pitt story. Pride of the Yankees. Yeah. He, but, you know, Pitt was a pretty darn good player. He hit uh, 295 with 114 RBIs one year. It wasn't like he was a slouch, but he had a headache one day, and the Iron Horse stepped in, and he played 2,130 consecutive games. And they said that that wow. record was unbreakable. But it wasn't, was it, Coach Joe? It was for the longest time. Yes, but, uh, sir. <laughs> it took somebody special to break it. Um, and, of course, uh, we were talking about Cal Ripken Jr., uh, who uh, I'm old enough to remember him in his rookie year in 1982. I, I saw him play live a few years later. And uh, there was a time when uh, the spring training for the Orioles was in Miami. And, uh, you know, I, that's when I was living down there. So I could I could see them play in the spring really easily at the old Miami Stadium. Oh, you talk about an old-fashioned stadium. Oh, we should ask Tim about a place like that. It had this aluminum sort of arching sort of roof that covered the stands, but not the field. Absolutely amazing when a ball would be fouled off and land on top of that thing, the sound that it would make. Oh, man. 682-1430. That's 682-1430. We've basically told you who it is. So give us a call if you haven't won in the last six months. It's easy. I know you can do it. I just know you can do it. Well, on this day in 2011, one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history, John Mackey, passed away. John Mackey, an American Pro Football Hall of Famer, elected to the – he was the second true tight end to ever be elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame back in 1992, the first being a guy named Mike Ditka. And uh, so this guy averaged 20 yards a catch as a rookie. And he had 38 touchdowns in his NFL career. He was the first president of the NFL Players Union. And he was picked in 1963 in the second round. And if you remember Super Bowl history, for a long time, he held the record for the longest touchdown pass, a 75-yarder from Johnny Unitas in Super Bowl V against the Cowboys. It was tipped twice by Eddie Hinton, I think it was, was the Colt receiver, and Mel Renfro, the Cowboys' defensive back. And back in those days, they had a rule that two offensive players could not touch the pass in succession. So unless Renfro had touched it, 
then it would not have been a touchdown. But Mackey was behind the defense and scored that touchdown, which stood for a long time. I think Kenny King broke it. Yeah, in the Super Bowl 15, uh, when he caught the pass from Plunkett in the uh, Eagles-Raiders uh, Super Bowl. That was a great era for tight ends, uh, besides Mackey and Ditka. You also had Mar Fleming and Jim Mandich. You had Russ Francis come along. Rich Caster was a great tight end. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave Casper. Dave Casper, uh, goes to the post. Yeah, there there were uh, uh, so, so many of them. Ray Chester as well. He he was with the Colts for a while. Oh, yeah. Chris, how you doing tonight? Chris, how are you tonight? Uh, we lost Chris. He oh, knew, I bet he knew the answer, too. <laughs> I bet he did. Well, that's all right. We got somebody else that's hungry I'm and thirsty, too. I'm sure it was too. an accident, Eric, that you gave oh, yeah. Rather than give away the $30, it somehow well, managed yeah. to find its way back into your coffers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris, how are you tonight? Chris, you there? Sorry about that, Chris. The yes, hamster sir. wasn't running fast enough yeah. on the wheel there. <laughs> you hungry no, and thirsty? Right. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, you hungry and thirsty? Oh, always. Oh, that's what we like to hear. All right. That's right. Who was the New York Yankee known as the Iron Horse? Um, so I'm going to go back to my, my – I was definitely not alive for this, but my dad was a Yankees <laughs> fan growing up, and uh, I believe that was Lou Gehrig. I believe you're right. I believe you're exactly right. right. So yeah, Ronnie was out house? front on Garrick back yeah. when he was a rookie. Ronnie was telling everybody who'd listened to his show back then, "Oh, this is the man." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Me, me and Marconi yeah. had a show back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had Alexander Graham Bell on with me. You know, that, that's <laughs> some really great guests back in the that's day. Right. Uh, <laughs> they give me a lot of grief for being old here, but you know, I'd rather be oh, old than cold. All right. So. All right. <laughs> oh man, you ever been out to Ale House? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, we uh, we go out there probably about once every couple months or so. All right. Well, I tell you, it'll be a lot more fun when you go out there and you can take $30 off your tab. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, congratulations, and um, hang on the line. Eric will get your information, and uh, don't, when, when he asks for your wallet, don't. Don't give him that, okay? Don't, don't turn it over. Yeah. No, I'll, yeah. I'll don't don't do myself. that. Yeah. Mother's maiden name, right. social security number. Yeah. Don't don't do any of that. Just a name. Of the, <laughs> the gotcha. I gotcha. Thank you, guys. Thank you for right. what you do. Thank you. Congratulations. Well, we're almost out of time. Alex, appreciate you joining us tonight. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Coach Joe. As always, Ronnie. It's always so much fun. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Oh next yeah. Week. And Jimmy Ocean, thank you. You traveled all the way from Tallahassee, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, this is how many times for you on the ozone? Like in the studio or like? Well, on the ozone. How many times have you been on the ozone? Three times. All right. Three times is the charm. Ronnie O and Coach Joe.